Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, executive coach and speaker, and I have a passion for helping people make positive, transformational changes to their businesses and themselves and break through roadblocks to live their best lives. Let's get to it. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm so glad you're here. This show um, is a little bit different today. So we actually pre-recorded this show that I'm about to play for you a couple of weeks ago. And I'm just so excited for you to hear my conversation with Jessica Honiger. She is a big time author and the co-CEO of a great mission-driven business called Noonday Collection. And I've been wanting to interview her for a very long time. So she wrote this book called Imperfect Courage, and it had a huge impact on me right at the time that I was trying to decide whether or not to leave my last corporate job and start the podcast, start my own coaching and consulting business. And it gave me a huge dose of courage. I just love it so much. So before we jump into the interview today, I want to read you a quote from her book. And, and then I want to talk to you about one of the ways I've decided to give back during this time. So the quote from her book that I think just really sums up the tone of the book and is perfect for right now is this, the world needs your contribution, even if that contribution feels awfully small right now. I believe that each of us has a responsibility to use what we've been given and believe me, girl, you have been given a lot to build a flourishing world. When we take the risk to erase the lines we have drawn around ourselves that keep us comfortable, and we pitch our tent in the great unknown, viewing others as extensions of us, we'll realize something incredible. The solution to the problem we see, it's not others, it's us. I just think that is the perfect quote. Um, It really hit me uh, almost two years ago now when I first read the book, but reading it now with just the time that we're in, I think is also just so perfect. And I really am excited for you to hear the conversation. Jessica is very heartfelt. She's very vulnerable on social media. She really puts herself out there. It's just a great testament to courageous living and taking risks. Okay. With that, we're going to take a short break and then we'll come back to my awesome conversation with Jessica Honiger. You are listening to the Imperfection Wind Show on KKNW 1150. We'll be right back. Okay, everyone. I want to talk about one of my favorite local small businesses, Plant Life Meals. Plant Life Meals serves fresh, never frozen, delicious, and ready-to-eat plant-based meals to our community. I've been ordering from them for about six weeks now, and I'm telling you, the food is great. And it's been so helpful for me to have a healthy, high-protein meal ready to go for lunch, or really any meal. My favorite has to be the lasagna, and those little protein bites are the perfect treat to keep my sweet tooth tamed. And did you know that eating more plant-based foods is one of the best ways we can have a positive impact on the environment? 
The owners, Liz and David, are building this business straight from their hearts and making a big impact on our community, one meal at a time. Please go check out plantlifemeals.com and try it out. You will feel great, not only about what you're putting in your body and how you're helping our community, but also what you're doing for our environment. So let's help this small business rise up during this time of struggle. Again, that's plantlifemeals.com. Bringing good vibes to the Puget Sound and the world. Alternative Talk 1150. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, and I'm so glad you're here. We have such a fun show for you today, and I've been so excited about this show for so many different reasons, but I have to say, I had this show originally planned already before this whole COVID-19, and I the, the timing is just perfect. It could not be more perfect, and um, I want to introduce my guest today. She is another fabulous female entrepreneur, a best-selling author, the founder and co-CEO of Noonday Collection, an amazing purpose-driven business. I cannot wait for you to hear more about it. Um, and she's a mother and wife and so much more. So with that, welcome Jessica Honiger to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm so thrilled that you're here. It's so fun to get to be here. Well, I was wondering if you would start by just telling us just a little bit about you and your life before we jump into our interview. Yes, my life, it's, it's got a lot more children in it than normal. <laughs> a lot more time with my family. I love my family, but I think we're all a little tired of each other right now. Uh, but I have three kids that are a total blast. Actually, they're in the other room filming a cooking show right now. Um, I think they're going to, I'm going to have them posted on my Instagram or on Noonday's Instagram. So I can't wait to see what they come up with. Oh my um, gosh. Two boys and a girl, 10, 11, and my little girl is 14. And I have a husband who is a carpenter, woodworker, behind the scenes, amazing, amazing guy. And uh, right now I'm running my business Noonday Collection from this spot right here <laughs> um, where we are a social impact fashion brand and we are creating meaningful opportunities for people around the world. We have a group of women in America that we call Noonday Collection Ambassadors and these are our social impact entrepreneurs. We've had actually 150 women just in the last three weeks launch oh their gosh. own Noonday businesses. Yeah. So it's, it's a side hustle with a purpose so you can earn an income from your couch while creating creating a marketplace for the artisans that we work with that are in some of the world's most vulnerable communities. And as you can imagine, the vulnerable become even more vulnerable during a crisis like this. Yes. And, um, and we do it all through, through fashion, through fun, through accessories and bags and scarves. And, and so it's, it's really fun. And I have to say, uh, the team's really rallied and been incredible in, in the midst of this crisis. It's, it's amazing to be a part of a community where courage is contagious. That's so amazing. I, um, I mean, I just love the business and I actually, in a little bit, I'm going to ask you a few more questions about Noonday because I just think it's such an amazing story, but I want to first just highlight that I originally heard you on a podcast, um, and I had just left a corporate job. I was sort of 
trying to decide um, what to do next. And I had some downtime, which I never have. I have two kids and life is busy. And I, so I was like consuming all of these podcasts and I'd actually never even listened to podcasts before that. And I listened to you as a guest. And then I listened to your podcast, which is called going scared. Um, and that prompted me to pick up your book Imperfect courage. And I just have to say that book for me was so monumental in me having the courage. It, it was, I literally felt like you were like parallel to me. So many of the things that you talk about, it was so relatable um, and struggling with so many of the things that I talk about on the show all the time that I struggle with, you know, imposter syndrome and perfection and all of these things. And it really, I really do believe it was a catalyst in me taking some pretty major steps in my life and career. So I loved it then. Um, and then when you said yes to being on the show, which is such a gift to me, I picked it up again and read it for the second time. And I got completely different things from it the second time around, because of course I'm in a different spot. Right. Um, and what's interesting is I know we talked about this before we started recording, but when we first met briefly last week, I had said to you, you know, what do you want to talk about? And I, of course, I'm a planner. So of course I had a list of things already that I wanted to talk about. And you made the comment to me, well, a week in quarantine is like forever. Like, I don't know what's going to be on my heart, you know, in a week. And it was so funny because, um, last night I was thumbing back through the book on some of the different parts and things that I've highlighted. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what I want to talk about tomorrow is totally different from what I wanted to talk about a year ago to a month ago to a week ago. Um, and so I just love that book so much. I want everyone to pick it up. And we're going to talk about a few of the concepts in that book that I feel like um, hit, sort of hit me really hard for right now. And I want to really talk a little bit about that. Um, but before we do that, I want to talk a little bit more just about how things are going right now. So yeah. I love how vulnerable you are on social media. I think it's really um, amazing and fun. So I feel like. I've been living a little bit of your journey, um, but how are things going? How are you yeah. coping? Well, first of all, thank you so much. I wrote my story to help people. And so the fact that it spoke to you, you know, when in the beginning of my journey, books were the way that I felt camaraderie. And when I felt alone, especially as a, as an entrepreneur with small children, I went to books and I wrote Imperfect Courage for, for that reason to help another woman who felt alone. And maybe that, that story would serve her. So it's humbling to get to hear that from you. And I'm, I'm so thankful that it, it served you on your journey and continues to serve you. Um, you know, I, I, if there's something I'm an expert in, it is reframing and finding silver linings really, really quickly. And so I am aware that I can do that at the cost of not feeling my feelings of grief. Mm. And um, so I have to be very intentional to, to grieve. And I also, I think since I work among the poor and the most vulnerable who truly are going through devastation right now, it, it's easy for me to 
compare my suffering and then diminish it. Mm -hmm. So I'm right now just trying to do a good job of honoring the fact that, um, my kids are obsessed with Gilmore girls and that's all they want to watch every night. And I'm really bored. Yeah. yeah, that's that's like <laughs> oh my gosh, I so feel that. I my I, my kids are they're 16 and 18 and so my daughter and I have been watching a series called All American, just like completely consuming it. Um and Is it good? Is it worth consuming? It's really really good. Okay, I'm um, going to check that out this really weekend. Really good. If you liked Friday Night Lights. Oh, loved Friday Night Lights. It's it's fabulous. It's very dramatic. It's great. great Teenage angst. I love it. Yes. And I, my 16 year old son, um, we have sort of at this point, like let everything go. I don't even know what's happening. And I can't, I still can't figure out why he enjoys watching other people play video games on YouTube. Like that's sort of what what he, it just makes no sense to me. But, um, so it's interesting because I feel like maybe you and I started this journey a little bit the same. And I talked about this on my show last week, but, um, so I think at first you had the get dressed anyway. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so into that. That's what I'm going to do. And I started this journey and I was like, I am strong and I'm positive and I'm going to be, I literally made a list. I'm like, I'm going to organize one thing in my house every day. Uh I'm going to be in better shape. I am going to like read more. Um, all these things, right. Oh oh, yeah. And I, two weeks in completely crashed. Yeah. I melted. I melted down. I get it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. I think especially for me at night, because my day does is still involve just a ton of output leading. I'm leading an organization. I'm leading a community of social entrepreneurs and Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's like, it used to be like we had, you know, settlers of Catan one night and (laughs) spades one night and like, we're going to be a family hot cocoa in the hot tub. And we were nailing it. And I was like, if I could be quarantined with anyone, it would be you. I just love you guys. This is amazing. And now I'm just like, Fine. Watch Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Just go. Just, just, just do everybody it. just go. They're I'm, like yelling at me because I'm like, I'm, I don't know. It's fine. It's, it's cute, but it gets old. Just, it's just not something I, anyway, yeah. I, we have two TVs. I so I'm in the other room and they're like, you're, why aren't you watching it with us? And I'm like, because I'm, I've melted yeah, because I'm I melted. no longer, I yeah. think I had this one night this week where I was like, I've lost my desire for oh, anything. Mm-hmm. Was it Tuesday? I, for whatever reason, the last three Tuesdays in a row have not been great. Days. That's been your melting point. Mine was Wednesday because it was I, rainy that day. And oh, I, I yeah. live in Austin. I'm used to the sun. Yeah. 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 So it rains it. and I can't handle both rain and quarantine. Yeah. I can handle one or the other. So um, I feel that I'm in Seattle. So oof, we have been blessed with really great weather. Good. I just keep thinking to myself, like I'm thanking God for the sunshine because the alternative might take me down. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Might take me down. Um, okay. Well, I know this is such an interesting time. And I, um, I think that what I realized when I started out feeling so strong, I sort of had this big about face where I realized that I had been once again in my life, this is sort of what I do. I put all these expectations on myself and now I'm just really practicing like every day is a new day. 
every day I feel different. Some days I feel great. Some days I don't. My to-do list is not going to end or get smaller. Um, and I actually feel now like God's kind of got me right where he wants me. I'm like, I, I feel like he's like trying to break that thing in me that needs to keep producing and performing. And he's like, okay, you just exhaust yourself. And when you finally melt, we'll have a talk, you yes, know? So yes. You know, I, I did an interview for my podcast yesterday that I'll air in a couple of weeks with Lori Gottlieb. She is this very well-known therapist and she wrote a book called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. And I asked her out of all of her clients that she's seen, thousands of hours she's spent with clients, what is the common thread she has seen among her clients that really exhibit resilience? Mm -hmm. And she said, people who are kind to themselves. Mm. And I actually did an activity this morning where I wrote a letter of compassion to myself. (gasps) And I just said, dear Jessica, think about what's happening in your life right now. Like Mm. I just started naming all, and then I started saying, you know what? You're doing a great job. And I just, I, and I did, and it really got me into my heart and it changed, you know, some of the, cause I noticed that whenever I'm a little bit more critical towards my family, it's really because I'm critical towards myself. It has nothing to do with them. So I was going down a bad rabbit hole in my head in regards to my husband, because I, it's, we're interviewing right now on a Friday and Fridays tend to be hard for me because, um, I love a good party. I love social connection. I'm used to my margarita and my queso Friday night at my torchies, my local taco place and meeting up with friends. And usually the weekend, like I, I get filled through social connection. And so facing a Friday where you wake up on Saturday and it's just the same. And then Sunday is just the same. (laughs) It causes a little bit of anxiety for me. So I, you know, I, I go to blame in my head and I'm, only my husband were just a little more talkative or, you know, if my family was a little, you know, and so I'm aware that I am doing something that is, is I'm telling myself stories that aren't true and, um, I'm in blame, which is never a good place to be. And I think that does come from just being critical. And so writing a letter of compassion got me in touch with maybe some of the critical voices that I, that I wasn't necessarily picking up on and got me back into my own, heart. And then I did listen to a podcast this morning by Brene Brown, where she interviewed a grief expert and the grief expert lost us, lost one of his children at a very young age and lost his mom, uh, to a murder. I mean, he was like, if, if anyone could win the, like I win at having the worst grief, like I would be the winner. But he said, that's not how grief works. Do you know what the worst grief is? It's your own. Mm-hmm. it's whatever your grief is, is the worst grief. And so that I just felt some freedom, like, okay, I can grieve that I'm feeling a little restless about having nothing on my calendar for the weekend. And I can grieve the fact that I really want to meet friends at my favorite bar tonight for a margarita. And I can't do that, you know, instead of going so quickly to the silver lining and the reframe or comparing my grief to someone else's that feels a lot more legitimate than that. Um, I just gave space for my own grief and got more in my heart and in my feelings. And then I 
then accessed compassion. And immediately I came home from my walk this morning and I said, babe, I'm really sorry. I, I was blaming you for my own just angst and boredom. And he's like, yeah, I could tell. And, you know, so I think too, you know, when we can be in our hearts and be in our feelings, we can connect more easily with the people in our lives. That's so beautiful. That was so well said. And I agree with every single thing that you just said. And I, um, I do the exact same thing and I have gotten good at apologizing. Mm -hmm. Like I am going to apologize again for trying, you know, being upset that I don't have control and taking it out on my lovely husband. And I, um, I laugh because my thing is he's very talkative, but my thing is I want him to be deeper. I'm to be deeper. I'm a big feeler. I love deep conversations. And then when I'm in my like rational mind, when I come back to myself, I'm like, Oh my gosh, can you even imagine if the two of us had these, like we would be so exhausted. Right. Just never get anything done because he's the one that breaks the cycle, you know, when I need to get past the deep into like actually doing something. So Anyway, I totally hear you. Well, I want to come back. I want to take a quick break and then I want to come back and talk about um, Noonday Collection. I just want to talk a little bit more about that and some of the amazing work that you do. Um, And then I also want to get into a couple of concepts from the book that I feel like are so amazing for right now. So everyone, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You are listening to the Imperfection Wins Show on KKNW 1150. All right, everyone, it's time for our second small business highlight. You know, this is a hard time for so many small local businesses, and now more than ever, they need our support. One of my favorite places to hang out is Belden Cafe in Bellevue. Now, during normal times, I have most of my meetings outside of the office there. I do work there. I love to walk there with a friend and sit and enjoy their amazing coffee and food. But one of the reasons I love Belden so much is that they set themselves apart from other coffee shops by being incredibly community focused. The owner Claire has very intentionally partnered with several nonprofits. She creates special drinks for them and gives a portion of the proceeds to them. She promotes them on social media. She often donates pastries and financially to other nonprofits in the area. And recently she actually started partnering with a local flower farmer whose business essentially stopped due to COVID-19. So Claire started bringing in the farmer's flowers and selling them on Fridays and Saturdays. They are so beautiful. She's selling out most weeks. And honestly, it's one of my favorite things to do during this quarantine is just go grab some flowers for loved ones and have a killer cup of coffee. Now I know in Seattle, you have choices when it comes to coffee, but please go give Belden a shot. You will not be disappointed. They're doing online ordering and curbside pickup right now. And I just know, you know, from the beautiful relaxed vibe in the store to the homemade nut milks and avocado toast, I know you'll love it. Just go check them out at beldingcafe.com and swing by for an awesome cup of coffee and just a great community experience. Again, that's beldingcafe.com. Find our app in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store and take us with you wherever you go. Alternative Talk AM 1150. 
Welcome back to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, and I'm here today with Jessica Honiger, best-selling author, amazing co-founder and social, social impact brand of Noonday Collection. Um, and we are going to hear just a little bit more about Noonday Collection and the amazing work. So welcome back, Jessica. We're so happy that you're here. I'm happy to be here. Oh, so I uh, think the work you do with Noonday is amazing. And I know um, we don't necessarily have time to go through the entire story because it's meaty, but I would love if you would give people just an overview of a little bit more about the brand, how it was started and the work that you do. Um, and then I really want to talk about how you're doing right now in the midst of everything that's going on. Yeah. Well, it's interesting to share the story in the midst of this both health pandemic, but also the economic crisis, because Noonday was born during the last economic crisis during the recession uh, 10 years ago. My husband and I were working in real estate. We were flipping houses and then the housing market went belly up. And before you knew it, we were living off credit cards. And in the middle of that, my husband and I, we had two children, uh, five and under, and had decided to adopt to bring our third child into our family. And we were halfway through the adoption process when the market crashed. And we did not want to let a financial obstacle get in the way of growing our family, and we're, especially since we were already invested and, and halfway through the journey. So I knew I needed to do some sort of side hustle. And, you know, I was, I was scared. Uh, we were in credit card debt, um, but I had this greater purpose, which was to bring my son into our family. And I had connected with some friends previously who had offered me artisan-made goods. They were living in Uganda, and they had all of these artisan-made goods that they had had made by some of their friends, but it was just sitting in storage. And they said, would you like to sell some of these things? And um, I had laughed them off at the time, but then, you know, courage corners you when you're living off credit cards. You're like, I'll do anything. Yes. I'll do anything. And I decided one night I would open my home. I would sell these artisan made goods along with all of my anything, my dishes, my clothes were for sale, you name it, it was for sale. And I invited women into my home one night. I was so afraid they weren't going to come. And then I thought, gosh, if they do come this, I'm going to look so desperate. Um, I wanted to call the whole thing off, but that was the night where I learned that courage was not about fearlessness. Mm. Courage was about being scared and going anyway. And in that moment, I did not call it off. And lo and behold, women showed up. They showed up for me because I believe that we really do want to be shower uppers. You yeah. know, we want to show up for people. We want to do good. We want to harness our own agency, you know, and to actually uh, be the change that we want to see. And that's what I learned that night. I learned that night that, that I had people that did want to show up and, I sold out of all the product. People loved this African made product. And I texted my friends the next day. I said, the product sold out. And they said, well, why don't you just not do this as a one night fundraiser? Why don't you just keep doing this and see if you can create jobs in Uganda? And so I said, okay, why not? And I did. And I started ordering product from directly from these artisans in Uganda. And then I started getting product from other countries, uh, working in vulnerable communities. I had experience in my twenties. I had lived in Guatemala. I had a background in NGO work. So I had a framework for social impact and for working in countries that are impacted by poverty. And 
I just began to ask women, you know, one thing led to another, I would end up, you know, couch surfing on a stranger's couch and, you know, invite your friends over. I've got the jewelry. And so many women said, yes, yes, I'll do that. I'll do that for you. So we were able to raise enough money to bring my son Jack home from Rwanda. And really quickly, other women said, I want to be a part of this. You know, I think that this idea that we could use our purchasing power for good, that we could gather together for good and that we could, um, you know, earn an income while also making an impact was extremely attractive. And so these women began to join me as Noonday Collection Ambassadors and just amazing, scrappy entrepreneurs that just built the company. And now we, you know, we started off with two artisans in Uganda. We now have 3000 artisans around the world and 2000 ambassadors around the country. And you know, I, I really can say it's just from that one night of deciding I'm going to be vulnerable and let other people into my need. And I'm not going to let fear hold me back. I'm just going to go scared that that truly did change my life. Mm -hmm. It's so amazing because one of the things that I talk about a lot on the show, but I also talk a lot about in my work is just this idea of compassionate action. And I'm always saying to leaders that I'm coaching and um, people around me, like the way I think of compassion is that it's different than empathy and sympathy because compassion is action oriented, right? Like you have to do something. It's not enough just to feel. Um, and I think what you've done, and I know just so many more of the details, I hope people pick up the book and read the whole journey because it's so beautiful. Um, what you have done through building this company around, it's just like one massive compassion action. And I just, um, I find it so touching. And I also, it's really humbling for me being, you know, a, a new entrepreneur to just um, trust the process and follow the nudge, even when I feel scared. And I have had so many moments, especially lately, to be honest with COVID and everything of like wanting to, to pick up my ball and go home. Like, just like feeling like, no, because I don't know where it's going and I don't mm -hmm. know. Um, but when I think about that, when I think about um, quitting, essentially, it literally makes me feel like a physical reaction. Like I feel really deeply sad because I really feel like I'm being called and pushed in a direction. And so then I think, okay, I, I have to just calm down. And, and I think it's one of the things this time reading the book, the second time around mm. really was amazing for me because it was like, okay, so you've had to have amazing endurance through this. Yes. Because when did you, when, what year was it that you started? It's been, uh, 2010, so 10, yeah. uh, almost 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And so this idea of things happening the way we want really fast, um, isn't really the truth, right? No, it's not. I think that, and that's another reason I wrote the book is I wanted to pull the veil out from behind the, the stories that we see. I, you know, Noonday did face success early on. We had, um, we grew quickly. We were one of Inc's fastest growing privately held companies in 2015, but 
taking the long view, once you start hitting those really significant hurdles, like the first time we uh, didn't project our sales correctly and ended up sitting on a million dollars worth of inventory that it's like, oh my God, we're going to have to, that's going to take forever for us to sell through that. And, um, you know, last year actually was the first year that we didn't grow. And, um, I had to actually do a really small layoff, uh, this time last year. And I, I am so grateful for what I went through last year because it really was an untangling of my ego and noonday where my ego and noonday had grown so intermingled. And I felt almost like a, it was literally like a child like response in my brain when we made all of these plans for really huge growth in 2019. And it became clear by the second quarter that those were not going to materialize. And I had a pity party. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking like a three-year-old pity party, like, I want what I want and I'm going to get what I want when I want it. I mean, it was, it was, uh, and that was really the beginning of me beginning to, um, settle in again for the long view, you know, and I talk about that in imperfect courage that truly it's about taking the long view. And I used to spend a lot of time when things got really hard, I would, you know, it's like, I'm flying this airplane, I'm piloting the plane and I hit turbulence and I like go put strap the parachute on and I'm like, okay, when can I jump? When can I jump? And so there's been this settling over the years that, you know what, there's no exit ramp for me. There's no exit strategy. I'm just going to fly the plane. I threw my parachute out the door a long time ago. So instead of spending my energy on, oh, this hurts. This is hard. I don't have what it takes. I've never been through this before as a leader. How can I do this? You know, all of those things. Instead, I'm spending my energy on how can I just keep flying this plane? And, you know, now we have faced such a huge crisis. I mean, our sales took a huge nosedive in March. Our entire business is built on women physically gathering. It's, it's homes, people being invited in homes. And we've taken a very hard stance on that. I mean, we've, you know, yes, we've, we, we had introduced digital gatherings a year ago, but in general, our brand is all about connection and relationship. And we have had a lot of success because of that. And so suddenly in March, it's like, oh my gosh, we're not going to be able to all meet together. And so all of those in-home gatherings canceled and our sales took a huge dive and we began worst case scenario. We started projecting 75% down in April, another 60% down in May. Um, at the same time, we began to pivot very quickly and prop up those virtual gatherings. And so we um, promoted virtual gatherings. We quickly rallied all of our Noonday Collection ambassadors, trained them on Facebook shows as well as Zoom shows, as well as we began a 10% give back for anyone who hosts a show. They're that can go back directly to a local need in your community, whatever need you see, we democratize that. And as, as ambassadors were frozen at first, like what you said, like, I'm just going to quit. Okay. Because that's usually what we want to do. Like we want to just get out of the pilot seat and parachute on off that plane, you know, um, as people began to just remember that poverty hasn't changed and their commitment to the poor has not, you know, COVID-19 didn't change, uh, the poor still needing growth and opportunity. And as people began to rally, it's truly incredible, but we are going to end April um, with the same revenue that we did last April. That's amazing. 
It is. And I can say it's just because of this community of women that is just has a bias towards action and has rallied their community. And, you know, we've had a lot of women also launch their own noonday collection businesses this month because it's a need now and people need to be able to earn an income from their couch, which they're able to do through these online gatherings. So we've pivoted really quickly. And, you know, I have to say that, that all of my last 10 years, everything I've gone through, it's just really led to this day and me being able to lead with the long view in mind and lead from a place of courage um, and grounded optimism. And also like, yeah, brutal facts. I mean, our sales are going to be way down from what we projected and um, we're making very tough decisions behind the scenes and we're having to cut like, oh my gosh, we're having to cut so many programs and conferences that we usually put on and trips and just so many things. Um, At the same time, you know, God's heart for the poor hasn't changed and my calling to that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. So my job is just to wake up and be faithful to my commitments every day. And that's, that's all I can do right now. I do have control over that. I can express agency and exhibit agency over, you know, how I spend my time right now and my energy. And, um, it's, it's making an impact. I mean, it's really incredible to have sat down with our finance team five weeks ago, projecting 75% down for April, and then to be ending at 0% down. I mean, that is truly amazing. It is. It's a, and that is a perfect segue because the next thing I wanted to talk about was, um, there, some of the concepts from your book and, and some of the ones that have really been on my heart right now through this are, um, they're kind of intertwined, I think. So community and you call it coming close Mm. and both of those things, it's, it's so interesting because I know, I think this is on your heart too right now because of everything you're saying, but also I saw on social media today that you posted a great post about your own community and how you're supporting it. And I, um, I know that you also did a Facebook live today for no kid hungry. And I was wondering if you would tell everybody just a little bit about that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then just some of the ways, I mean, I want to really talk about this idea around coming close because Mm -hmm. I think that that is something that we are so being called to do right now. And I just want to talk a little bit more about that, but will you share about the no, no kid hungry? Yeah. So my second week during shelter in place, I was on a run, which I am not a runner at all. Like I gave up running a long time ago and I'm such a indoor cycling and that's been a hard adjustment, but I've made it. I've made the adjustment. I actually have a bike now. And so I, I cycle a lot at home, but At the beginning, when I was like, I got to do something, so I'd go out and run. And on one of those days, um, it was a Friday afternoon, and I was running past our local elementary school. And we live in a more socioeconomically diverse area. And there was this woman who was sitting in the front of the school, pulled up. She had a car filled with children, and she was looking around a little bit bewildered. And then she started speaking to me in Spanish, and I, I speak Spanish. And so I was able to, you know, ask her, you know, what are you doing? How can I help you? And she just kept saying, where's the food? Where's the food? And the school had closed down for the weekend and she had a car full of kids that needed to be fed. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, ran back to my house. (laughs) That was the hardest I've run in years and (laughs) emptied my pantry. And really it, it, 
it gave such a picture and of, and that is coming close. It's when we can proximate ourselves to the need. Mm -hmm. And so in a very real way, we proximated ourselves by living in the neighborhood that we live in. And so I actually got to see this need up close where, you know, since I do work among in global poverty and I do work with the stereotypical, you, the distended bellies, I've, I've seen that in Africa. Um, it's easy to say that, you know, Americans can, can be taken care of by all the different programs that are available. I'm not saying that's a right point of view. I'm saying that's a point of view that I have taken. And I just think that woman was divinely placed in my life that day for me to see that this is a huge need. And 22 million children usually get free lunch every single day at school. And so now how can we help those same kids get fed at home? So we are partnering, Noonday Collection is partnering with No Kid Hungry during the first week of May, May 1st through May 8th. When you gather your friends online via Zoom or via Facebook and you shop for good, then we will give 10% back to No Kid Hungry which will help get food to the kids who need it right now. It's amazing. And I think it's, it was interesting timing um, for me to see that because yesterday I actually received a message, like an automated message from my son's school, um, a high school. And it literally said, like, you know, we realize that there, um, there's growing concern over a shortage of meals being provided by the district. We're working really hard. Um, what was interesting was, you know, I think it's really easy through this to, especially because we're staying home mm-hmm. to create our own normalcy and our own, we're going through our own grief, as mm-hmm. you mentioned, and it's really easy to watch the news and yet feel separated from the suffering that's mm-hmm. actually happening. And I, um, I know that in my community, there are, you know, a a large amount of families and children that need food and need resources. And as a family, we're involved with the organizations that help provide that. But something about getting that message from my son's school Mm -hmm. and actually just picturing these are my neighbors. Yes. So what would I do if my neighbor Mm. looked at me and said, I'm hungry. Mm. I can't even, it almost makes me a little tearful. I actually can't even imagine like you would of course run as fast as you could back to your home mm-hmm. and fill them with your food. Yes. Right? And so I think, um, what really hit me as I was going back through the book is, you know, you talk about this idea of coming close. And I think unless you do that, you don't see the need and you have to be willing to see the need and the suffering. Um, So I want to read a quote from your book, if that's okay. Yeah. Okay. So you and I both know that things in our world are wrong and that we have a part to play in setting them right. However, all too often we respond by keeping suffering at arm's length, choosing to live with a low-grade guilt instead of engaging. Don't need to do it perfectly. Just come close. Mm. And I think that quote really jumped out at me this time through, um, because I do see that sometimes in myself, definitely in a lot of my community, I live in sort of a bubble and I, I love how in the book you talk a lot about taking your bubble wrap off, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. take the bubble wrap off and, and actually be willing to see the suffering, mm-hmm. um, that's right around you. And that quote was so meaningful because it's, it does create this weird low grade guilt. Like, mm-hmm. 
right? You see it and you kind of know it's there, but it's easier to sometimes tell yourself like someone else will help that person or someone else, or there's enough resources. I'm sure the school has it handled. Right. And yeah, yeah. I love that you got that text from your school because I do think it, it has to be personalized in Mm -hmm. some way. And I think for you to realize there is something that I can do. And, you know, again, I feel like the more we really exhibit choice, like our choices that we do have right now, the more empowered we become and we feel, and then the more action that we can take that will move the needle forward and creating opportunity for those that are more vulnerable. And, you know, I mean, I've proximated myself. I've come close in where I live, but something else that we've done as a family is 60 minutes has had some incredible storytelling about everything going on in New York city. Mm-hmm. And I've set my whole family down, you know, ages 10, 11, 14. And we've watched, um, 60 minute segments on the healthcare workers and what they're going through and even the small businesses in New York city. And, you know, I just, I, I, am inviting people into that compassion. And I love that you use that word that compassion does lead to action. And, you know, I think that unless we take some sort of action, then we do have that low grade guilt that sort of drains us. But, you know, there are things that we can do. We can host a noonday trunk show, you know, you could buy, um, from just any social brand right now, because I know we're, we are really serving our partners that live in vulnerable communities and, you know, definitely give just a little bit, even just, I mean, if you just yeah. went and signed up at no kid hungry and gave $5, you know, I mean, there's something very empowering about exhibiting action in the midst yes. of crisis and in the midst of uh, fear and scarcity and yeah. just kind of breaking that loop that we yeah. can get on. You know, if you need to break that loop, go do something good for someone else. Yeah. It's so true. I loved it. And I, um, we're going to take our last quick break, but before we do, will you just say, so in there, you said it doesn't need to be perfect. Right. Mm. And I think that perfection is such a big thing that we focus on in the show, like how to sort of win that battle and not dwell in that. Why was it important to you to point out to people that when they're serving or when they're taking compassionate action, it doesn't need to be perfect? Well, perfection is paralyzing and perfection is what will hold you back from action Mm -hmm. and action, whether no matter how messy and imperfect it is, is going to serve you and others more than inaction. And all perfection does is paralyze you. Well said. Okay, everyone, we're going to take a really short break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a couple more meaningful things and wrap up with Jessica Honiger. You're listening to the Imperfection Wind Show on KKNW 1150. Hey, everybody, it's me, Sam. Many of you know that one of my greatest joys in life is handing out small, perfectly imperfect wooden hearts. That's right, I said perfectly imperfect. These are the words that came to mind when I held one of these handmade hearts in my hand for the first time. These beautifully crafted, imperfect hearts are made by my friend Gary. Fate brought us together and ordering hearts from him and giving them to anyone who needs one has been a joyful part of my journey. 
The hearts serve as a physical reminder that things don't need to be perfect to be meaningful. Check out my website, samwilling.com forward slash imperfect hearts for the whole heart story to place an order or make a donation. 100% of the proceeds go towards the mission. Don't forget that samwilling.com. This show is sponsored by Urban Restoration, the Eastside's premier builder for remodeling, new construction, and so much more. With over 20 years of experience, the team at Urban Restoration has built a foundation of integrity, trust, superior craftsmanship, and personal accountability to clients. Whether you're building a new home, doing a total home remodel, or even a small project, the experienced team at Urban Restoration will walk you through the process and leave you with the results you desire. Client satisfaction and relationships rule at Urban Restoration. If you are located on the greater east side and looking for a contractor you can trust, visit the Urban Restoration website at ur-build.com. That's the letter U, the letter R-build.com for contact information and to check out pictures of their amazing craftsmanship. Again, that's the letter U, the letter R-build.com for Urban Restoration. Wondering what's on next on Alternative Talk 1150? Check out 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to the Imperfection Wins Show. This is Sam Willing, your host, and I'm here today with Jessica Honiger, and we are just having such a great conversation about everything that's happening right now and social impact and coming close to your community and participating in the suffering that's going on. And um, and Jessica, you have a you have a podcast called Going Scared, which is fabulous. Um, but right now you are doing a series on resilience and I know I've heard you say that you actually had that series planned before COVID happened. So the timing is really amazing. So I was wondering if you could talk about why resilience was on your heart. Why, why was that something that was so important to you? Yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, last year was a really hard year of learning what it felt like to not get what I wanted. And we planned a lot as a team and we created a lot of initiatives that just did not bring out, bring about the outcome that we wanted last year. And I found myself at the beginning of this year, slipping into a little bit of cynicism and a little bit of like, oh, well, it doesn't matter what I do because it won't make a difference anyway. And, um, just, just kind of that attitude. I, I remember watching the movie Parasite, uh, which is based in South Korea. And there's this one scene and the actor in the scene, it's like after some big tragedy and the actor says, you know what the best kind of plans are? No plans. <laughs> we just, just shouldn't plan because life is just going to do this. And I mean, he said that and I thought that is really depressing. And that's kind of how I've been feeling lately. (laughs) And that's not, I know that's not healthy. That's not how I want to lead. That's not how I want to live. And as I explored like cynicism and where this is coming from, I thought, man, I want to learn to be resilient. Mm -hmm. I need to learn how to 
come back from hardship. You know, that really is what resilience is. It's like how you are able to rise up out of difficulty. And last year was difficult and my rising up was pretty lame. Um, so I wanted to interview people that were resilient people that, you know, I've interviewed a woman who 93 year old who has survived Auschwitz and wrote a book, a call, a, wrote a book about it called the choice. And I read her book sort of in the midst of my own journey and cynicism. And, uh, she just had so many amazing pointers about, you know, just focusing on what you have, appreciate what you have instead of focusing on what you don't have. And just this whole idea that we always have a choice, no matter what situation we might be in, we, we have choices. And that's what I've seen. You know, I, I interviewed a woman who was kidnapped in Somalia and held for ransom. Um, someone who's living with bipolar two and is thriving, someone who's living with chronic pain, someone who's living as a paralyzed woman. I mean, very hard traumatic situations. And yet each one of these women, these people are thriving and flourishing. And I, you know, so much of what I see is it's, it's the story that they tell themselves about their situation and they let their pain become part of their purpose. And I think that, um, you know, purpose is what can prevent us from falling into anxiety and depression right now. Um, we, we have to find our purpose and um, find a purpose in every single day. So it's, it's interesting because I was, you know, coming out of that kind of dark place and then COVID-19 hit. And then, I mean, brick and mortar stores all got shut down retail. And, you know, thankfully we don't have brick and mortar stores, but it, now I've seen that everything I went through last year, I'm just so thankful for because emotionally I'm really ready for this situation right now. And I'm ready to lead us, lead our team through it. Um, you know, we're doing well in April, but in March was such a hard hit. I mean, we're still going to end the year far off from, from our expectations mm -hmm. and plans. Um, but my, my ego is untied yeah. and untangled and I'm able to lead from a place of just faithfulness and conviction to what I'm called to do mm -hmm. and not from a, this place of hustle. Like I'm just trying to grab at success for my own identity's sake. And I'm just working from a really restful place right now. I think that is the most beautiful, perfect ending to this podcast. So I just... um I love the resilient series. I love the whole podcast. It's going scared with Jessica Honiger. Um, the one that you just did that I just listened to was so beautiful. It was with Ruthie Lindsay. Oh yeah. And I loved at the end where you both put your hand on your heart. Yes. yes. Oh my gosh. It made me tearful. And I've done that every day when I sort of get done with my quiet time in the morning I don't know why it makes me feel emotional, but it works. I hope everyone tries it. It's really just, um, I've been thinking about, you know, with my hand on my heart, like, can we all just feel, can we all just see the suffering that is happening around us and participate in it and take compassionate action? And I think you've given so many encouraging and doable, like reasonable things that we can do to participate in the suffering and help bring healing. So um, I just love it so much. And so before we close, will you just tell everyone how they can find out more about you? Absolutely. And thank you. It's been such a lovely conversation today. 
You can find me on Instagram at Jessica Honiger, and that is two G's and one N. And you can find Noonday Collection on the interwebs, noondaycollection.com. If you want to host a virtual gathering or if you want to launch your own Noonday Collection business, just reach out on our website. We'll get back to you. Or you can even reach out to me via Instagram. Um, give me a DM and I will get back to you as well. And Going Scared is available where all podcasts are available. And Imperfect Courage is on Amazon right now. Um, and yeah, I, I would love for you to, to take that journey and, and read it. So good. Thanks again for saying yes to this podcast. I will never forget it. And listeners, that is a wrap. I hope you've enjoyed it. And don't forget to like, share, and leave a review for us. And we will talk to you next week. Have a great Monday, everyone.